Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It is great to be back with you again as we continue this sermon series called Afterthoughts and Prayers, and I'll say more about that in a moment. But before I do, let me read the passage that we'll be reflecting on today. This comes from Psalm 4. I'm going to read 1 through verses 1 through 6. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens He has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from His wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So when I preach this sermon tomorrow on Sunday, I'll be showing a picture of Sudan, not the country of Sudan. I'll be showing a picture of Sudan, a male white, a male northern white rhinoceros. It's actually not a male northern white rhino. It is the male northern white rhino. Last year at this time, conservationists did something creative to uh, bring attention to Sudan, the rhino, the last of its kind, as a way to raise money to develop in vitro fertilization methods for rhinos. And so they figured Sudan needs a little help in this fundraising process, so they did something creative. They made a profile for him on the dating app Tinder. So they added information to the profile that said his age, 43, or about 100 in rhino years, and is, quote, one of a kind. Sudan likes to eat grass, just chill in the mud. It It was a pretty creative way to humanize Sudan and raise awareness and raise money. So giving animals human qualities, of course, is not new. We all do it for our animals. How many of you out there celebrate their birthdays? Give your dog or cat or whatever pet you have a special treat on your birthday. Many, of course, think and believe and see their pets as part of the family. And we sometimes give human quality to other parts of creation, too. Some of you may have heard of the St. Francis of Assisi. He wrote a song centuries ago called Canticle of the Sun. And he calls in this song, he calls the sun, he calls the wind, he calls the fire, brother. And he calls the moon and water and earth, sister. So why do we do these things? Why do we humanize things that are seemingly inanimate or non-human? Maybe a way to bring us closer, to make these non-human entities more real so that they're not just kind of vague living beings. Vagueness is one of the things that we're trying to combat in this sermon series I talked about a moment ago called Afterthoughts and Prayers. As we were reflecting on this sermon series as a staff, we were uh, it was right around the time of the Parkland shootings, and we were noticing that on social media, folks were putting out tweets or Facebook messages that the folks who are affected by the shootings are in our thoughts and prayers. But there also seemed to be a bit of pushback from people who are saying, we want more than just thoughts and prayers. We want action. We want to do something. And so we wanted to do some reflecting on that. 
as I've noted before, I am not saying anything bad about thoughts and prayers. As a religious person, I believe that prayer can and does make a difference. But I think some of the pushback is legitimate. Are we doing anything? Are we responding in ways that we believe that God is calling us to? Are we acting? So we want to think about that. What happens after we lift up thoughts and prayers? Last week, we talked about hunger in our midst, and today we are talking about the environment. Um, Appropriate as tomorrow we celebrate Earth Day. So one of the powerful and beautiful things about the Bible for me is that no matter how many times I read a passage or story, something new often pops up. That happened to me a few weeks ago when I was reading Psalm 4, this part of this psalm that I read for today. I usually start the day meditating on a psalm, and when I read the first few verses of this particular psalm, which I've read before, but something happened within me, and I noticed something. And when I noticed it and saw it, I thought to myself, how did I not see this before? And it particularly happened with the first four verses of this passage that I read. Let me read them again, and I want you to pay particular attention to the verbs here, and I'll emphasize them in the way that I read it. It says, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world world. So the first thing that came to my mind as I read this, and it's related to what we do here at Urban Village every single week, is this notion that creation, here in this psalm, creation is giving testimony. We do this every week. Somebody comes up, not just the preacher, but someone gets up and shares for a few minutes about what is God doing in my life. They are giving testimony. The psalmist here is saying that creation is also giving testimony. I don't know about you, but when I have thought about creation and the environment in the past, my first thought goes to Genesis 1 and 2, the two creation stories, especially Genesis 1.28, when God says to the first humans that we should fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now, in this context, dominion doesn't mean that we rule over creation and just treat it any way that we want, but rather that we are to be stewards of it, that we take care of it, that we nurture it. This is God's command. This is a fine way of understanding and interpreting this text. But when I read these first few verses of Psalm 4, something changed for me when I thought about my own relationship with the environment, my own relationship with God's creation. And I realized my relationship with creation shouldn't be one-sided. Creation is not like some old furniture piece that just needs to be restored, some inanimate object. Creation can be part of a relationship. Creation gives testimony. This is what the psalmist is saying. Creation proclaims God's handiwork. Creation tells the glory of God. 
If we are vague or blasé or simply just offering thoughts and prayers about the necessity to take care of creation, I think we are squelching a voice. That we are not truly listening to what creation is saying to us. And we are not responding by saying, can we get a witness to what creation is saying? So tomorrow, uh, when I preach this, I'm going to put up a picture of a young girl named Savannah. She was in the news about a year ago because at her church, uh, they give a once a month testimony. So you're seeing there's a theme of testimony here. And when people stand up and share, folks are encouraged to just share their feelings and beliefs. And in this news story I read about Savannah, she said this in her testimony. She said, I do not choose, or she said, sorry, they did not mess up when they gave me freckles or when they made me to be gay. God loves me just this way. I do not choose to be this way, and this is not a fad. I cannot make someone else gay. I believe that God wants us to treat each other with kindness, even if people are different, especially if they are different. This is 12-year-old Savannah who is saying these things. After two minutes of her giving her testimony and saying to those gathered there that she was gay, her microphone was muted, was cut off. And it happened shortly after said that she's not a horrible sinner and after she said that someday she hopes to have a partner and get married and have a family. And they cut off her microphone. She turned around. There was a man who was speaking to her who said to her, can you sit down, the man said. Well, this video went viral and there are lots of different responses to it. But her microphone was muted. Here at Urban Village, we, from the very beginning of our existence, we have always wanted to be there for the savannas of the world, for anyone whose voice is muted. We want to make sure that their voices are heard. Now, often when we think about this and talk about this, we think of humans, and we talk about what happens when humans' voices are muted, and what can we do to make sure that their voices are heard. But today... As we think about creation, as we think about Earth Day, I want us to also think about how can we make sure that the voice of our creation, as the psalmist notes here, this voice that is proclaiming and telling of God's glory, an important voice for all of us in our own faith development, for people who talk about how their faith is nurtured, and I hear so many people say, you know, I really feel God in nature, which is great, and perhaps they are sensing that voice of creation. What are we doing, friends, to make sure that this testimony, this voice of creation, is not muted? Are we simply sending up thoughts and prayers to those who are doing something about it, or are we, are you and I, also taking action? In my book um, that I wrote a year ago, I came across this really wonderful story. There's a section of the book where I talk about what does it mean to be someone who listens. And I read this story about a man named John Francis. And I also, in when I preach this tomorrow, I'm going to show a little brief TED Talk or excerpt of a TED Talk that this man, that John Francis gave. And I'll put this up on the Podbean page uh, that you can go to and look and see and watch this whole TED Talk video. John Francis is noteworthy because uh, several years ago, 
he came across, he was walking along and he came across this oil spill that had happened there. He was living in the San Francisco area, in the Bay Area, and there was an oil spill that had happened. And as he watched this oil spill, something happened within him and he felt like he needed to do something. And so he made a decision to simply not talk for a while. Not just to not talk, but neither to drive or ride in motorized vehicles as a way to bring attention to the plight of the planet. And this is what he did that one day, and then he decided to do it another day, and then a week, and then a month. And then he continued this journey for 17 years. For 17 years, he did not talk, and he did not use any kind of motorized transportation. It's a phenomenal story. And of course, he got some attention for this because who goes 17 years without talking or without driving or riding in any motorized vehicle? He was literally walking the walk and, I guess, not talking the talk. But so many things happened to him in the midst of this. And I'm moved by this in two different ways. One is because of his emphasis, as I noted earlier, his emphasis on what happened when he was truly listening, truly listening to others. So in his autobiography, Planet Walker, he says this and writes this. He said, most of my adult life, I have not been listening fully. I only listened long enough to determine whether the speaker's ideas matched my own. If they didn't, I would stop listening and my mind would race ahead to compose an argument against what I believed the speaker's idea or position to be. I have to confess that there are times when I do just that. If I'm in a conversation with someone and they begin to share an idea or belief that might be different than mine, I, don't, I kind of stop listening and just think about, all right, how am I going to respond to the way that he or she will probably uh, keep on speaking or keep on saying and not truly listening. So I was, on the one hand, moved by his ability, John Francis's ability to truly listen, not just to each other, but also in his walking and in his not using any motorized vehicles, the way that he was listening, truly listening to the voice of creation. But the other reason that I'm inspired by him is that he did something so simple when we are sometimes, perhaps when people say, I offer up my thoughts and prayers, and it might be that they don't know what to do, and they're paralyzed by that. And so they simply say, well, I can offer up my thoughts and prayers. I can write a tweet saying, thoughts and prayers are, are with you. And then they don't do anything about it. But he did something, and it's something so simple. He said, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm just not going to talk. I'm just going to listen to see what happens. And I'm also just going to walk everywhere, and I'm not going to use any motorized vehicles anymore. It was something so simple. He wanted, let's, let's do it for the day. And then it happened for the day after that and the day after that until this whole movement happened for him. And he talks about, too, how when he started truly listening, something shifted. And he says this in the TED Talk. He said why he made a decision, too, for after 17 years, he talked about the decision to why he started talking. And he said that he had started caring about the environment on his, what he said was this formal level, but there was also this informal level where he was beginning to learn about people and what we do and how we are in the environment at first was just about trees and birds and endangered species. But this whole process for him in listening meant that 
it was something much deeper. This movement was something much more than that. As he noted, it was how we treat ourselves and how we treat each other. So he started off wanting to do good for the environment. Wonderful. But then in this whole process, something shifted for him. And it was about listening to each other and how we can be there for one another. And this, I think, encapsulates this shift for me, too, in seeing creation, the environment, not just as something that Genesis tells me, commands me to do, to be a good steward, but instead to see the cre- see God's creation as something that I am in relationship with. That creation has a voice, that creation has a testimony that I am supposed to be truly paying attention to. Creation proclaims God's glory. If you are a person of faith, this is a voice, the psalmist is telling us, that must be heard, absorbed, received, so that it can move us and help us and deepen our own faith in God. We cannot let the voice of creation go silent, friends. And then we act and actually do something about it. So at Urban Village, there's a couple things going on right now. If you attend our church or if you live in Chicago and don't attend a church, you're welcome to join us on May 13th. Uh, the annual Friends of the Chicago River outing where people from all over the city and Chicagoland are going to be going to parts of the Chicago River and cleaning up. So you can be joining us uh, for that and you can reach out to me and I can send you more info about how to do that. Uh, we'll be Urban Village will be at a part of the Chicago River near Chinatown. Uh, and so again, you can reach out to me about how to do that. We've got a new um, Echo Justice team. Someone from our site uh, is trying to gather people together to begin to think about what are ways that we can continue to do something because we have to make sure that creation's voice is continually heard. So if you're moved tomorrow by Earth Day, something is stirring within you. If you are one who says, you know, I really feel God in nature and I really hear God's voice in nature, that creation speaks to me, then the question and the challenge to you is what will you do about it to make sure that that voice is not extinguished, that that voice is not silenced forever. There's a sad part to the story of Sudan, the rhino that I talked about earlier. Just a few weeks ago, Sudan died. A literal extinction of a part of a species. Friends, we cannot wait. This is one voice that is no longer speaking to us. Creation is speaking of God's glory. This is a vital and important way for us to know who God is. And when we are in relationship with creation, I believe we have to care then to make sure that that voice is heard. How can you do that? What is something that you can do? How can you pray about this, discern what you might do, and then actually act on it? That's our call. And the time is now for us to do something about it. And I pray that the voice of God, in whatever way that you hear it, that the voice of God will continually speak to you and that will move you to respond and act. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm always grateful for the responses that I get from folks. As always, you can reach out to me, chris at urbanvillagechurch.org. You can uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Christian Kuhn. You can also, I have another podcast that I do, some of you know about, called Failing Boldly in relation to my uh, book. And so you can go on my website, christiankuhn.com, and learn more about that too. 
And so, friends, I will be off for a week, uh, but I'll be back then the first Sunday in May and look forward to uh, sharing more thoughts and reflections with you then. Until then, may the peace of Christ be with you. Thou my wisdom and thou my truth.